Welcome back to Cancer Perspective. Thank you for joining us. November is Honoring Caregivers Month, Lung Cancer Awareness Month, Neuroendocrine Cancer Awareness Month, Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month, and Stomach Cancer Awareness Month. Today we'll be talking about lung cancer. If you've been following along, you know that I enjoy finding the root of the words because knowing those root words helps us to understand the medical language and oftentimes have the ability to translate medical reports and our provider's language if we understand how everything works together. Lung is very interesting in that the word lung comes from the Old English lungen, which means plural. The pleura cavity in medical terminology is the cavity that is protected by the ribs. The lungs are included in the pleura cavity. We have a connected word, pulmonary, pulmonology. This is derived from the Latin root word pulmo, meaning lung. So anytime a member of your care team or a report says something about the pleural lining, something about the pulmonary nodules, those are all meaning something within the lung. So a lung specialist or somebody that specializes in the respiratory system is a pulmonologist. And then there's thoracic, coming from the Greek word thorico, meaning chest or of the thorax. Surgeons who treat diseases in the chest are called thoracic surgeons. Lung cancer is any cancer that starts in the lungs. The lungs are sponge-like organs in our chest cavity. Their job is to oxygenate your blood and remove the carbon dioxide that's made within the blood system. You have two lungs. Your right lung has three sections or lobes. The lobes are approximately one-third of that lung. The left lung has two lobes. The left lung is smaller because the heart takes up so much room on the left side of the body. When you breathe in, air enters through your nose or mouth, goes down your windpipe and into tubes that enter into the lungs. The tubes look like tree branches. First entering are the thicker tree branches, those are called bronchi. Then the smaller, thinner branches that branch off are bronchioles. And at the end of the bronchioles are little tiny air sacs, and the air sacs are called alveoli. It's the alveoli that absorbs the oxygen into your blood from air that you take in and removes the carbon dioxide from the blood when you breathe out. When lung cancer starts, it usually starts in the lining or the pleura, the bronchi, the bronchioles, or alveoli. So you may see those words on a report. The pleura is a thin layer that surrounds the entire lung. Its job is to keep things moist and wet and help the lungs slide back and forth against your ribs. And then we have that muscle called the diaphragm that separates the lungs and the chest contents from the abdominal contents. The diaphragm moves up and down when you breathe and helps force that air out of the lungs. Lung cancer has two main categories. 
small cell or small cell lung cancer, that's about 10 to 15% of all cancers that start in the lung. And then all the other cancers called non-small cell lung cancer. And non-small cell lung cancer is further divided into several different types. Non-small cell lung cancers are about 80 to 85% of cancers that started in the lung. Most commonly is adenocarcinoma. If you've been following along, adenocarcinoma starts in cells that normally secrete things such as mucus. And then there's squamous cell. These are those flat cells that line the inside of the airways of the lung. And then there's large cell. And then there are other types that they will term as adenosquamous or a mixture carcinoma and sarcomatoid carcinoma. They're much less common, but still on the non-small cell. Mesothelioma would be a non-small cell lung cancer. There are carcinoid tumors, sarcomas, lymphomas that start in the lung, and cystic carcinomas, and benign tumors such as hamartomas. All of these are less rare, and remember when we talk about benign tumors, we are talking about tumors that can't metastasize. They still can cause problems and still can cause serious issues with your health, especially if they interfere with your breathing. And then there are cancers that spread to the lung, such as breast cancer that spreads to the lung is still breast cancer that's in your lung, even if you have no visible breast tumors anymore and you have a tumor within your lung that is breast cancer in the lung. And again, that has to be identified, usually with biopsy, to clarify, is this a primary, meaning it started in the lung, or is this a metastasis, meaning it started somewhere else and went to the lung? It's important to treat the originating cell, and therefore we can more carefully target the treatment and do the damage that needs to be done with sparing the tissues that don't need to be damaged as much as possible. Small cell cancers are sometimes called oat cell cancers. Small cell lung cancer is extremely hard to treat and predict because these cells are so, what I call, sneaky. Usually by the time it is identified, the disease is what we would call extensive. Most people with small cell lung cancer have a recurrence at some point. For the non-small cell lung cancers, the staging is important finding out the differentiation that we've talked about in previous episodes, the cell type, in order to determine the treatment and the prognosis. Just like most cancers, most lung cancers do not necessarily have any symptoms until they start to spread and become bothersome. And some of these symptoms can be thought to be nothing more than a cold and sometimes that takes it longer for diagnosis to come about. The most common symptoms of lung cancer, according to the American Cancer Society, are a cough that does not go away or gets worse. Coughing up blood, usually not bright red blood, so it's usually brown or rust color. And it can be just a little bit in your spit or phlegm, or it can be what we would call frank, a glob of blood. 
And remember, when you have a chest cold, you can have an episode where you're coughing so much, you do some damage and you bring up some blood. Lung cancer would be something that's more persistent or happens more than just once. Lung cancer can cause chest pain that is most often worse with deep breathing, coughing, or laughing, hoarseness, loss of appetite with an unexplained weight loss, shortness of breath, feeling tired or weak, infections such as bronchitis and pneumonia that don't go away or keep coming back, or wheezing. If the lung cancer starts to spread, you can have pain in your back or your hips, headaches, dizziness, numbness or tingling, yellowing of the skin if it's gone to the liver, swelling of lymph nodes if it's gone inside your lymph nodes. And then there are syndromes that lung cancer can cause, such as supervena cava syndrome or SVC. That's when a tumor or set of lymph nodes will push up against the main vein to your heart that's within the lung and the pleural cavity that can get squished because there's only so much room. And then that pressure placed on that supervena cava can cause a backflow of blood and oxygen. You can get swelling from the level of the superior vena cava up to your head. You can see obvious veins that are swelling in your chest. You can have swelling in your face, neck. It can even cause your arms to swell. There's also what we call pancoast tumors. They are most likely non-small cell but can be small cell. And these are when the cancer is in the upper part of the lung and can push on nerves, particularly the nerves to the eyes or part of the face, causing some drooping or weakness on one eyelid, the smaller pupil, or the inability to sweat on that side of the face. We see syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone, or the lowering of salt levels is extremely common in lung cancers. And this causes fatigue and loss of appetite, muscle weakness, nausea, vomiting. Sometimes we have to watch the SIADH, or syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone, that may have been brought on by diagnosis and then complicated by the treatment. You can get high levels of calcium and other issues based on what is happening with the lungs and where the tumor is pushing. Our lungs have been working for us since the moment we were born, filtering and exchanging oxygen and other irritants that enter into our body. So risk factors for lung cancer are usually related to the irritants that we may inhale. Tobacco smoke is by far the leading risk factor for lung cancer. The American Cancer Society says about 80% of all lung cancer deaths are thought to be a result from smoking, and it's probably even higher for the small cell lung cancer types. Secondhand smoke is a problem as well. This can irritate lungs at any time and is thought to be the third most common cause of lung cancer in the United States. Then there's exposure to radon, a radioactive gas in the soil and rocks that you can't see, taste, or smell. In the outdoors, there's so little radon that it's not thought to likely be dangerous, 
but indoors, radon can be more concentrated, and therefore we have in the United States often regulations in identifying and having a plan to help rid a home of radon buildup. Asbestos used to be a huge risk factor prior to trying to eradicate asbestos. It was a wonderful fire retardant and kept many people safe from fires, but those who worked directly with asbestos and didn't have masks, they would breathe it in on their job sites and be covered in their clothes when they brought it home and introduce it to their family through washing their clothes or walking around or hugging the worker before they had changed their clothes. At this time, asbestos is not thought to be harmful what is left over in buildings. It's just when it's released into the air where it can be a problem. So buildings that are being torn down could be a problem for dispersing asbestos. So people working with deconstruction of buildings will have to keep their lungs and noses protected by wearing masks. Other risk factors include exposure to other cancer-causing agents within the workplace. Diesel exhaust, inhaling chemicals such as arsenic, vinyl, silica, nickel, beryllium, chromium compounds, coal products, mustard gas, chloromethyl ethers, radioactive ores such as uranium. And then there have been some surprising studies about dietary supplements. There were two large studies that found people who smoked and took beta-carotene supplements actually had an increased risk of lung cancer. Those studies suggest that people who smoke should avoid taking beta-carotene supplements. Then there are risk factors that you cannot change. If you were a cancer patient as a child and received radiation to your chest, or as an adult and had breast cancer radiation. So anybody who has had previous radiation to the chest and may have also irritated the lung are at a higher risk for developing lung cancer over time. Air pollution. About 1% to 2% of all deaths from lung cancer in the U.S. are thought to be due to poor outdoor air quality. Then there's the personal or family history of lung cancer. Brothers and sisters, children, or a parent of people who have had lung cancer may have a slightly higher risk of lung cancer themselves. So we know tobacco smoke has a direct correlation to several cancers, including lung cancer. They have not found a clear link that marijuana smoke has the same risks. But marijuana smoke does contain tar and many of the same cancer-causing substances that are in tobacco smoke. The tar is sticky and can irritate particularly already fragile lungs as we age or as we have other exposures. Marijuana tends to be inhaled more deeply than cigarette smokes and held longer in the lungs, which can potentially irritate the lungs enough to cause damage. Electronic cigarettes may have some long-term effects. Going with the same assumption of inhaling deeply, holding the vapors that may contain some irritants that can lead to damage of the lung, it is possible. Most healthcare professionals are not going to encourage you to inhale anything on purpose that could be an irritant. We have many people who have never smoked develop lung cancer. 
Lung cancers in people who don't smoke tend to happen in younger people. It is usually a form of non-small cell lung cancer, and there may be an exposure to radon or secondhand smoke, air pollution, diesel, exhaust, or other chemicals where the patient may not even be aware of that exposure. And there is a very small portion of lung cancers that come with no known risk factors at all. These might be random events and don't have an outside cause or things that we don't yet know about, which is why we need to continue cancer research. The treatment options for non-small cell lung cancer are just like any other cancer. You have pre-diagnosis surgical options like a biopsy. If you're having trouble breathing, you might need to test the strength of your lungs before you undergo any procedures. If a tumor takes up one lobe of a lung, a thoracic surgeon could perform a lobectomy. If you can take away even smaller parts of the lung, that might be called a wedge resection, taking a wedge out. And then there's a removal of the whole lung, which is a pneumonectomy. There are a few different options of radiation treatment to the lung. You want the radiation to be as least damaging to the rest of the lung as possible. Then there's systemic therapy, including chemotherapy, targeted drugs, and immunotherapy. Oftentimes, lung cancers are tested for very specific treatment options. For small cell lung cancer, oftentimes lobectomy or a pneumonectomy is not the correct option as the small cell is likely to be already at a more extensive stage. And since small cell lung cancer likes to metastasize to the brain, whole brain radiotherapy or WBRT is often offered as a prophylactic measure to use radiation at a mild dose to the entire brain to kill small cell lung cancer that is presumed to be there but not large enough to be identified at this time. That kills the small cell that's there and doesn't allow it to grow into bigger tumors that cause neurologic effects. The ribbon color for lung cancer is white or pearl. So wear white to honor those who have been through or who are going through or who are caring for somebody with lung cancer. Thank you for joining us. Take care and spread kindness.